when God laid on my heart this series about discovering Jesus, I was, it was months ago that God laid this on my heart. And you may have noticed that I am not attempting to prove anything. I am not attempting to, to prove that Jesus was a man. Or that Jesus was God. Or that Jesus had a mission. That has not been my intent. However, I am so firmly assured and, and so firmly believe this, that when you know Jesus Christ, He proves Himself to you. When you discover who Jesus really is, who He says He is, and how He's proved Himself through experiences, through answered prayer, and through just knowing this vibrant, the best heart that there ever was, He will prove to you who He is. So I'm not attempting to prove any of these things. I just want you to know him. He just wants you to know him. So he's using this series, I believe, to expose himself maybe in new ways to get us hungry. I feel like a pot of boiling water. It's just bubbling. And... It looks like it's turmoiled. It just—you look at boiling water, and it's boring. Yes, I know, but I mean, but you know, it's 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 just it's just boiling, and it, all these bubbles are coming up, and it doesn't seem to be doing anything. But that's how I feel this morning. I feel stirred up. I feel like there's something boiling inside of me. So let's pray so that this comes out the way that God intends. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the hearts and the spirits and the souls that are here today. Thank you that you're here today. Speak to us your words, your heart, in a manner that we can receive it, embrace it, and work at it according to your leading, to your Holy Spirit. Father, once again, I ask that you would empty me of me and speak through me so that we can all understand your heart and know your Son in a new way, in a more intimate and close way. And we ask this in in Jesus' name. Amen. Why is it important to know Jesus as Messiah? Why is it important to know Jesus as Messiah? Besides the obvious that, well, he's Messiah. He died for our sins. I think there's a deeper way to look at this. Because I believe in his messianess is where he expresses his divinity the best. Where he exposes his divinity the most. Only a divine, holy God could redeem his creation. Only a sinless sacrifice is adequate enough to be the remedy for a world lost to sin. And Jesus chooses his Messiahness to, to expose and reveal his divinity in, a, in so many beautiful ways. This is why I believe it's important to know Jesus as Messiah. We, we spent two weeks discovering Jesus as the man, how he, the incarnation being wrapped in flesh and how important it was to know Jesus as a man to know that he was a real human being and that we can understand him more through that through that he shared all the same emotional outbursts and feelings that we did he was 
identified himself with humanity by becoming man. It was important to, to think about that and, and to look at that. Now we're going to look at Jesus as Messiah and how he expresses his divinity through it. It's really important because I think this is where he expresses his divinity the best. So if you would, turn to Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything that he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether on earth or in heaven. Making peace by the blood of the cross. We look at Jesus. We look at the Messiah. And we get to see the God who cannot be seen. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? We get to see the purposes of Father God come alive in Jesus Christ. We get to see his plans. We get to see his workings. We get to see his handiwork in the life of Jesus Christ. And his Messiahness and what he was called to do. The major part of Christ's plan was reconciliation. Reconciling us back to the Father. You know what I see in this? I see a Messiah that wants to be known. That wants his creation to know him. That wants his creation to follow him with passion and hunger. I see this as a a personal, lifelong invitation to know Christ. When I was 17, I was right in the middle of my rebellion years. It's where my life almost ended. Used to party all the time, got involved heavily in drinking and drugs. There was a particular night, we had a cabin out in the woods, and we used to party all the time out there. And I was quite a drinker. That night, I drank so much that I collapsed. My friends thought I had passed out, but I actually was fully awake. They, they were so drunk, they just threw me on a cot inside the cabin, thinking that I would just sleep it off. However, I was just really unable to move. I, I, but I was completely awake. I couldn't talk. My eyes were open. Not that my friends noticed, but this was, I believe, uh, the best I could figure out. I, I had alcohol poisoning. And I, w- I was dying. And my friends couldn't help me. I was laying there and I, and I felt my life really actually leave my body, start to leave my body. It started at my feet, got to my knees, got to my waist. And got to my chest. And then God asked this wonderful question of me as I felt the life leaving me. He asked, is this how you want it to end? I, of course, didn't want it to end. And so I could only muster up the word no. From somewhere deep within my spirit. I passed out or I fell asleep. I'm not sure which. I know only that it was the first time ever that I woke up without a hangover. 
after a night of drinking like that, like I did. And as, as, as Hollywood as it sounds, when I returned to church that very Sunday, it was the prodigal son story. And I gave my heart back to, to, the, to the Lord. It was a wonderful thing. But it's that question that has stuck with me throughout my whole life. Is this how you want it to end? Do you realize that God asks really good questions? Listen to just some of these questions that he asks in Genesis. Where are you? Why are you angry? Where is Abel, your brother? Where is Sarah, your wife? And what is your name? These are just some of the questions that God asks in the book of Genesis. The Old Testament is full of questions by God. So why is God asking these questions? Does he not know? Of course he knows. What is he after then? God is asking these questions to get something of our heart. For us to check out our heart. I think it's kind of like a a heart shakedown. He's trying to to wake it up, to stir it up. Remember that boiling water? He's trying to stir this, this, this thing up inside of us. Trying to reveal something of ourselves and something of himself to us. That's why he asks these questions. Like... His father, Jesus, asked many questions as well. Throughout the gospel, the four gospels, Jesus asked about 173 questions. That's a lot of questions. In the book of Matthew, where we're going to get to, he asked 32 of them. 32 questions Jesus asked. When Jesus asked a question, do you think we should pay attention to those questions? I think we should. I think we should. Let's go to Matthew. There are two questions that Jesus asked in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. Some backstory first. Caesarea Philippi original's name was Panius, after the Greek god Pan, the half-man, half-goat god of fright. It's where we get the word panic from. This was a town that had been occupied by many different governments and renamed by those governments. This town was filled with many structures, temples, areas set apart just for worshipping false gods and important men. The Romans renamed this town once again after their emperor Caesar. The name of the town means Caesar, done by Philip. In this place where so many gods were worshipped, Jesus asked two huge questions. And now let's pick up the story in Matthew. The term Son of Man that Jesus is using is one of his favorite terms, by the way. And the title designates divine authority. So in Matthew, we read this. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The road to Calvary is on the horizon, and Jesus is asking the men closest to him questions that are relational in nature. Are you going to follow people's opinion of me, however flattering it may be, or are you going to follow me? Are you satisfied with how people are choosing to identify me, or will you get to know me and find out for yourself? 
Will you buy into their way of seeing me? Or will you seek me for yourself? What do you really believe about me? Am I just a famous one? Or am I someone to know? Am I just a title to you? This is, this is what these questions really are asking of. He's asking the disciples, but really he's asking those of us every day. We live in the middle of a lost, desolate place. There's a world of, of many false gods, of gods of, of money, gods of career, gods of entertainment, gods of ministry. And all of them are asking us to bow down to them in some form or fashion. And so Christ asks us today, who do you say that I am? In the midst of something tragic, in the midst of a sickness, in the midst of financial ruin or difficulty, in the midst of relational hardship, who do you say I am in the midst of those things? What do you believe about me in the midst of those things? I don't know about you, I get asked all the time, what, what do you believe? I get that question a lot. What, what do you believe? And sometimes, I think I answer what I should believe. Instead of what I'm actually believing by what my action. I think this is why Jesus asked this question. Why this question is essential to be asked, I think, every day of our lives. On our journey with him. Who do you say that I am? In John 8:58 it says this Truly truly I say to you before Abraham was I am Which means that Jesus existed before his human time on earth he was divine So when Jesus uses I am he is answering his own question for us Who do you say I am Isn't it wonderful him to answer the question for us Listen to these answers that Christ has in the book of John. John 6.35 says this. I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall not hunger. John 8.12 says this. I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 10, 9 says this, I am the gate, and if anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go out and in and find pasture. John 10, 11 says this, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. John eleven twenty five says, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And John 14, 6, which has been our theme verse throughout this series, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father but through me. Jesus didn't come to teach about a way. He is the way. He didn't come to teach us things about truth. He is truth. He didn't just come to teach us about life. He is life. I am life. Finally, in John 15, 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. To know the Messiah 
is to know God. To see things that were unseen. Messiah was not a religious Messiah. Jesus was not a political Messiah. Jesus was a relational Messiah. Jesus was a Messiah that restored the creation back to the Creator. Who made a relationship possible with Father God. This was the Messiah. This is the Messiah that we desperately need to know in a deeper, deeper fashion. One of the early church fathers, Gregory of Nyssa, says this. The true sight of God consists in this. That the one that looks up to God never ceases in that desire. The true sight of God consists in this. That the one who looks up to God never ceases in that desire. To know the Messiah is to see God. To know God. And as I said before, I'm not trying to prove this. I'm just trying to... I'm trying to get your water to boil. I think the Holy Spirit is trying to get your water to boil. The word zeal in the Bible actually means water boiling. To be hungry for the, for the Messiah means falling in love with the greatest heart that the world has ever seen. This is a sacred romance. This is a, a divine invitation into a relationship that changes everything about our lives. We know this. We know this. But we need to know it more. There are challenges coming. There are things coming. If you remember at the beginning of the year, Father God asked us to be ready to have our hearts enlarged. That was the word that he gave us. We read the newspapers, we see things on TV, we see things online. We know that there are, there are huge challenges for us in this country. We have opportunities like Mike has to speak truth in a very dark place. You have opportunities to speak life into places that where you are. We have opportunities to gather like this and to worship God together, to, to encourage ourselves so that we can go out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Saturday, and walk with the Messiah. But if we do not know him, we will lose steam. Our water will grow cold. And I know we feel like the frozen chosen this morning because it's a little chilly in here. But the... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you have a great sense of humor, Lord. Thank you. Um, can I encourage you to fall in love with this Messiah? See how many I am's you can follow, find in the Gospels. Read them this week. Pray those this week. Remind yourself of the great I am. The God that wants you to know him. That's why he declares these things. So that you know him. That you know him intimately. That you know him divinely. 
God does not want to remain distant in your life. In any way. There isn't an aspect of your life that he wants to be far away from you. Anything that you're going through, anything that you're experiencing, he wants to be there in the midst of it. Showing you who he is in the midst of it. Reminding you that he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us in such a way that you want to reveal yourself to us. Thank you for being the great I am. Thank you for being everything and more. We praise you. We exalt you for everything you are. So we ask, Father, that in the midst of the week to come, we will see the great I am and work in our lives. Father, we ask that you would increase our faith. Thank you for loving us.